0: Welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman, and I am one of your hosts. Every Wednesday and Friday, we bring you interviews of female and non-binary makers of all kinds from all over the world. Today's guest is Laura Pipitone of Oakley Soap Company. So kind of as the title of her (laughs) company uh, leads you to believe, she is a soap maker. And she's actually been running her business and been a soap maker for overall, like the grand scheme of things, not for a hugely long time. Um, But uh, she has some fun soaps that she creates and her business is definitely taking off and growing. Uh, So it's fun to have a chance to sit down and chat with her, not just about the business of making soaps, but the business part of the business of making soaps. So, so grateful to have had that opportunity. Um, before we hop into the interview with Laura, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much. Lee at Lee Runyon, Annette 513 Woodworks, Katie Thompson, Women of Woodworking, Kevin Lefty's Woodshop, Christy Twisted Twine, Jeremy, Jeremy spice Sammy Go Sammy Lee, Rachel Moody Makes, Bonnie Mom Bonnie, ToolmomStore.com, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Brandy Studio Obey, Lee the Rainbow Carver, Ellen Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your continued support of the podcast, helping to produce those two episodes a week, every week. Truly truly, cannot keep up this pace without your support. So if you are enjoying the podcast and would really love to help support it as well and get your name added to the list at the top of the episode, you certainly can. Just head on over to patreon.com forward slash crafting revolution and check out the different tier levels over there and whatever tier you pick we'll get you on the list of thank yous because uh, we truly mean that. We are truly thankful for each and every one of you, whether you're at a $1 tier or a $5 tier, $3. we're thankful for all of you. So thank you so much. All right. So let's head on into my conversation with Laura. Well, as you definitely know, Laura, I always start by asking my guests <laughs> to introduce themselves. So would you do that for me?
1: Sure. Um, my name is Laura Pipitone. My pronouns are she, her, and um, I am the owner and maker of the Oakley Soap Company. Um, I'm based out of Cincinnati, Ohio, and I'm also a mom of a 11-year-old and a 7-year-old. Um, and I have been married to my husband, Brett, for 13 years. Mm, Nice. You've got me beat just by like a year on the mirror. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, and you're like, I think only the second soap maker I've had as a guest. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Um, that always excites me when I have people on who do things that I don't do. Um, mm-hmm because then I get to ask all kinds of crazy
1: questions. So <laughs> well, I am like, I can nerd out about it. So I'm them. Sure, sure.
0: And we will definitely get there. But I, I want to start by asking the broader, the broader question of what is the, the story of Laura from like, baby Laura to like, where you grew up to how did you, you know, how do you get into making soap?
1: Sure. Um, well, I uh, grew up just outside of Chicago, the Southwest Chicago suburbs. Um, you know, pretty typical childhood, oldest of four. Um, I did a lot of like cooking and baking growing up. That was, um, that was kind of my one craft. I'm not particularly artistic. Um, I'm not great like fixing things or with tools but I could always cook. Um, and as the oldest of four, I was kind of put in charge of cooking a lot or at least helping out with dinner. Um, and then after uh, high school, I, you know, I was kind of into music. That was my other big thing as I sang and, um, I played the saxophone for like five minutes. (laughs) Um, and then, uh, after high school, I went to college in, uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. I was there for four years. Um, then I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with my life. So I ended up doing a year of volunteer work, um, with a, a program that, uh, is like a small kind of like AmeriCorps, but smaller, um. And I said, I want to go anywhere but the deep south. And I ended up in Savannah, Georgia, (laughs) Um, just because I had never been there. And I didn't know anything about it. And Mm -hmm. the universe put me there. And I ended up staying there for um, 10 years. So I did my volunteer work. And then um, when that year was up, I was offered a job that was within that. Um, So I worked in healthcare administration just as an assistant for um, about seven years and kind of had some some other jobs along the side. Um, That's where I met my husband. Uh he is, but he is also a Midwesterner. He's from Ohio. And once we had our first kid, we realized that we're we want to be closer to family. We were 12 hours from his parents, 15 hours from mine, and we wanted to go somewhere closer. We didn't, I didn't necessarily feel like we had we had to go back to our hometowns, but mm-hmm. we wanted to go somewhere um closer. So we moved to Cincinnati. My husband got a job there. And he went to college up here. So we had some friends in the area. Um, it was a lot closer to my parents, my siblings. Um, and I just, I fell in love with Cincinnati. I'm a Midwestern girl at heart, even though I've lived other places. Like I am, I am, you know, trying true cornbread <laughs> Midwestern, you know, don't, I don't wear a coat until it's, you know, of course. 20 degrees outside. Right. Savannah was very hot <laughs> and very weird for me. I loved it. It was beautiful, but um, my blood is Midwestern. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, and I worked for a little bit just here and there, part-time jobs. Um, I was lucky enough that I didn't have to go back full-time. I had my second daughter. And then once, just before she started school, I decided I needed a hobby because I didn't have any. Um, And I always wanted to get into soap making. I was one of those people who was a big nerd about, not even like skincare, but just, I liked smelly things. I liked to like put on masks and buy all the different soaps. And when I would go to like vendor events or craft fairs, I was always like towards the bath and body stuff. Um, and when I looked into it, I realized it was a lot like cooking. So that's kind of how I got into it. I decided to try it, um, and instantly fell in love. And then from there, it just kind of got out of control. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: yeah, I was definitely gonna say when well, you uh, started your story and it starts in Chicago and then Minnesota and now you're into, I was like, oh yeah, you're a true, true Midwesterner. <laughs>
1: yep, yep. And I felt like my kids needed to be the same. They can go off and do their own thing, but I wanted them to get a good, good Midwestern base.
0: <laughs> yes, um, yeah. I mean, we, my wife and I, we lived in California for Southern California for almost five years. And there's definitely things like, Definitely things I miss about that part of the country. um mm-hmm. You know, but I, it was really hard. I'm not gonna lie, it was hard. Like, it's just such a different culture there yes. than like the Midwest. And it was really hard to like adapt. And, and I don't, I don't think I ever fully adapted. You know, like, I definitely think maybe it took some of the sharper edges off of me, which is good. Um, mm-hmm you know, (laughs) that I brought back with me to the Midwest, um, a little bit more laid back than when I went out there. But, um, yeah, I remember it was warm there too, for me, at least for at least the first couple of years. And then, and then I became just as much as a wimp as everybody else out there. It was like (laughs) when it hits 60, that's when like the winter coat comes out. Um, (laughs) you know, but now that I'm back, it's like, I just got told the other day it was like forty degrees. I'm dropping my kids off at the bus, and uh, the one of the teachers drives the bus, and she's like, "Go put a coat on." I'm like, "Nah." Like, <laughs> I'm
1: good. Well, my son, even though he was born in the even though he was born in the South, he's a Midwestern kid. Like yeah. today, I was like, "You need to bring a coat." I know you're wearing shorts, but you need to bring at least bring a sweatshirt for me, yes. please.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. My kids are the same way uh very similar like I've been having to start begging them because they at their school they spend uh half a day outside oh wow yeah it's like when it's you know today's our first snow uh, oh wow about there yeah so we're getting our first snow but and it's like 37 I'm like besides a coat you need to take a stocking cap like you need to like they're like why I'm like just please like you cannot wear it when you're there, but I at least need Mm -hmm. to feel like a good mom that I sent you out the door with all of the proper attire. Exactly,
1: Um, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) I, yeah, fight that war every day from about, you know, November to March. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, So, okay, I totally see the line of like baking and cooking to soap making. How did the soap making as a hobby turn into a business?
1: Um it social media basically um and it's expensive. So I started I started making soaps just for the family and was giving them away. Um, And I was always sharing on um like Facebook and Instagram. Oh, this is what I made. This is what I made. And I just kind of thought of a name of a business in my head and kind of just grabbed the Instagram handle for it just sort of as a maybe if one day. And then more and more people on my personal page started asking, can I buy this? Can I buy this? Um, Can I share it with friends? And I started, you know, I was just charging people for basically for cost just so I could get feedback and, you know, Mm -hmm. hear what people said. I really wanted to know. And then I ended up making a soap that went a little viral enough that enough people started sharing it that I was like okay, the government's going to come after me if I don't start doing something about this. <laughs> so that's when I realized, all right, I will go and kind of get all the you know, paperwork in place to be an actual business owner. And it just proceeded to snowball from there. I really thought it was just going to be a, a part-time thing that I'd make it when I could. And within a year of starting the business, I was able to quit my part-time job and do this full-time. Wow. Yeah. So what was the viral soap? I made a orange soap that I'm going to get political here, but I know you're on the same page. I made an orange soap that made fun of Donald Trump made of carrots and I gave the money back. It went to, um, I can't remember what it went to, but I think it went to like the ACLU Mm. and, um, I also my my in college I have a public relations background journalism public relations so one of the nice parts about running a business is I like the social media aspect of it mm-hmm. and like the copy editing part of it because I can write and I have been told I'm funny mm-hmm. so pu- more the um, story behind the soap like the the description of the soap is what kind of went nuts from there. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. I can see that though I mean like you know follow being like I follow you and I'm gonna put out there I am like if I was at a craft show the soap section would be the last section that I that you would find me at right Um, (laughs) like that is not where I'm going to gravitate towards um but like I you know follow along with you and like your stuff because I think of the description like Oh, thank you. The, like the die-hard soap line I was like I can get on board with like <laughs> the die-hard soap line um you know so I think there is something to that I mean and that's what they say right it's like it's more about the story than necessarily the end product yes.
1: um, yeah and it, it really this gets to feed both my sort of artistic side of being able to make the soap and make things look pretty but then I also really get to use my writing skills which was kind of Back when I was a kid, that's ultimately one of, what I wanted to do was write. So I really get to, um, you know, use my use that as well. And a lot of times, I'm also kind of a pop culture nerd. Um, so a lot of times the soap name will come first, and then I'll design a, a soap around that.
0: Okay. Okay. So, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time talking about the Donald Trump soap. So, oh. um, <laughs> um, but... <clears throat> Where i'll i'll start with this question because i do want to know where
1: does oakley soap company like where's the name
0: come from sure
1: it's actually the neighborhood that i live in in cincinnati so i live in the oakley neighborhood cincinnati is very much a neighborhood town the way kind of chicago is where Mm -hmm. your identity is really wrapped up into your neighborhood and i'm you know not from here originally but we moved here we rented here when we first moved and i instantly fell in love and it was like we need to find a house here because it's kind of the perfect urban, but my kids can still kind of go outside and I'm less worried about them being hit by a car sort of in between, mm-hmm. not quite the suburbs, but, and it's still really walkable, but just a cool neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. But because of that, that allowed me to, like, the name sort of shows what part of the city I'm from, which allows me to, no one's surprised when I um, make political statements. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, I, I've made it clear from the start. I decided when I started this business that I am not going to hide certain parts of myself. So I'm not an overly political business, but I'm not also going to um, just keep that out of the rhetoric as well. You know, mm. my charities that I'm going to support are going to go towards um, causes that, you, you know, you're going to, you know, yeah. where I stand, you know, where my politics are based on my my support.
0: Yeah, so... I, I want to like go through that, I guess of like has there been any
1: backlash from doing that? not yet, not a whole lot okay. um i I'm nervous about it I'm sure it will happen um one day once in a while I'll get a, a, a crummy statement, but i'm not i'm not i'm I'm working on a like a middle road where I'm not constantly posting about politics um mm-hmm. But I am very adamant of my support that, you know, Black Lives Matter and um, LGBTQIA lives and that my my, the charity that I work with um, is for that supports transgender kids and uh, young adults. Mm -hmm. So I I will make those things clear. If there's something in the news, I will post about it. I will have a fundraiser for it. Um, But it's not my whole identity. But you can look at the names of my soaps even and see kind of where things Mm -hmm. fit. And then I'm not, it's not just like pretty smelling things. You know, there's, there's a, a backstory behind what I do. And I've made that part of my, my whole kind of brand. I had to really sit down and say, all right, I have to be willing to take the heat um, if it comes up. But honestly, it's been more positive than negative.
0: Hey makers. So today's podcast episode is sponsored in part Alicia Van Osdahl who is the owner of Basil Blue Design Company. Alicia is a maker of all things really. Her focus is on beautiful craftsmanship through woodworking, repurposing, refinishing art and sculpture. Her background includes 30 years of graphic design, logos and branding. If you have an idea or concept that and need a creative solution or graphic design you can email alicia directly at alicia and that is a-l-i-c-i-a at basilblue.com or you can visit her website at www.basilblue.com Dot .com and fun fact uh, Alicia actually designed the logo for Crafting Revolution so that is an example of the impeccable work you can expect if that is something you are in the market for so be sure to look up Alicia again at her website basilblue.com all right let's get back into the action why is it so important to you like when you're sitting down starting a business and saying this is what I want to show up um,
1: with. like why because it's who I am and my business is very much me um it's 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 clearly a part of me like I'm other than occasionally I get help people help me but I'm the one writing that material I'm the one making the soaps you know I'm the face when you go to the website mm-hmm. um and I want to be authentic in everything that I do and I think if someone's fake you can kind of tell mm-hmm. um, and I just I really felt like this is who I am. This is what I stand for. I'm not going to compromise on that. I'm also just kind of mouthy. So it's going to come out either way. (laughs) Love
0: it. (laughs) I'm going to say this, this moment right here, Laura, might be pushing me to do something I've been wanting to do for
1: a while. So thank you for that. Um, You're welcome. (laughs) That's an honor, honestly. I'm glad that it's hard to do I mean it's yeah it's scary to put yourself out there and there are so many terrible internet trolls but in the end if I'm not living authentically then what am, what am I doing I yeah. don't want to make money off of people and not you know I don't I don't want to make money and not and not yeah. do it for the right reasons
0: yeah no I definitely get that I mean like I've struggled with so um you know I wanted to pretty early on, I wanted to give like 10% of, of sales to, to some kind of organization, like, you know, from like putting aside 10% throughout the year and then, um, giving it to an organization at the end of the year. And to be honest, my first thing that I really wanted to give to was an organization, local organization that helps with, um, homeless, uh, Kids and teens that are members of the LGBTQ, uh, you know, community, mm-hmm. and but I was too scared. Um, yeah, because I was worried. Well, then I won't get any sales, and then I can't give. Like that was, you know, that was the worry. And so I, I went to something that I'm, I still very much am passionate about, which is, um, you know, domestic violence intervention. Like that's still mm-hmm. something that I feel is a very were the cause. And so that's what I give 10% to, or in years, like the past couple of years with COVID sales, have not been there. So mm-hmm. like I make things, you know, um, like I, I made one and I still owe them another bed that can be given okay. to like somebody who's moving into their own space for the first time type of thing. Um, And you know, working with them in the future for fundraisers and stuff like that. And I still want to do that. But yeah, I think I think this may be a push of not removing that, but adding on top of something that I feel Mm -hmm. um also passionate about and being willing to take that risk.
1: Mm -hmm. And honestly, it's been it's brought more bad than good, and it's brought more business specifically for some of the products. The way I do it is I have one product that I sell year-round. That is the rainbow flag, um, and a portion of the profits from that go towards um, the organization I work at w- with. is called Transform. I actually started with similar to what you wanted to do. There's an organization in town in Cincinnati that provides housing and mm-hmm. um, for uh, teens LGBTQI teens, but then um, a friend that I'm connected with started a business that provides free clothing for Mm -hmm. uh, not a business, a charity, free clothing. And then they also have support groups um, for uh, transgender kids and young adults. Mm -hmm. And just my community was kind of connected in that and they were brand new. And so that's, that's kind of why I switched over just because they were small. Mm -hmm. um, And I was connected with the people who were involved. Um, But I think I've seen more people that are excited about it. I rarely get feedback once in a while at a show I'll tell somebody and they'll put down the soap. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to donate that money, even though they didn't buy anything, you know? Yeah. Um, but part 90% of 99% of my feedback has been absolutely positive, um, to the point where people are sharing and people are excited and Mm -hmm. they're just excited to see representation. And then during pride month, um, a bigger portion of my sales go towards, um, go towards transform and then i make a a soap that looks like the trans flag um that transform sells year-round but mm-hmm. i'll i have the rights to sell it in june and all of the i just all i pay my myself back for is for the um the cost of supplies and the rest yeah. goes to transform awesome awesome um i guess thank you <laughs> you're saying, welcome it's you. it's worth yeah, it yeah. i totally know how hard it is and that those you can get nine, 99 great comments and then one crummy comment and that's the one you can't stop focusing on and I yeah. totally get that <laughs> totally and I have you know cried to my spouse and my friends and my therapist about yeah. it but in the end like I know that what I'm doing is right. Yeah, yeah,
0: I'm I'm right there with you. I would say the like the worst. I mean, I I get I would say I get more negative comments on um, like TikTok than Instagram. Mm -hmm. um but usually the ones that go after like you know my sexuality to me are kind of funny you know things like you know you cut straighter than you are I really (laughs) want I do need to make that a shirt um that would be hilarious I need to play (laughs) I I need I just need to figure out how to make that smoother so it's there will be a shirt one day that says something like that um so those are like, whatever, like, that's just kind of funny, like, <laughs> you know, right. um, or it's kind of like, duh, like, you're not informing anybody of anything when you say something like that. Right. Um, but I think the worst one was when I read about the podcast, uh, a review, you know, on, on mm-hmm. iTunes about the podcast of talking about, like, we don't need to know about their lifestyle type thing. And it's like, well, then. Go to a different podcast,
1: podcast. Yeah. right exactly <laughs> exactly people are mad and they're gonna to s- stay mad and the mad people most of the time are the ones who are gonna comment yes I keep reminding myself like you don't people don't say things when things are good a right. lot of the time they're more <laughs> yeah. likely to, to complain when it doesn't look the way they want the world to look yes. and sorry for you if you're not gonna accept that because you're missing out on a lot that's kind of yeah. what I feel about those people yeah. but still you still it's I could say that a million times, but living it personally is a lot harder. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it definitely is. I mean, like with that too, it's, it's, it's just like with the, what I've started doing with some of the negative comments I do get on social media is, is I don't engage with their negative comment. I just say, thank you for engaging because it's like, you know what you, there's something here, right? Like right. You still took the time to comment. <laughs> like,
1: Exactly. You
0: could have kept scrolling. So you still took the time to comment. And guess exactly. what? The algorithm doesn't know it was a negative comment. So thank you for engaging. Right.
1: And, engagement oh, is engagement. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs>
0: um, and I'll just leave it at that. And then, you know, sometimes like my followers will like hop on and you know, say shit to that person on my behalf. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't have to do that then. Right. It's like, I don't have to be the negative. I don't have to be the person who engages in control. Somebody else can do that for me.
1: And that's, I've found that too. The one, the one comment I keep getting is an account. That's a freaking cat. (laughs) Like it's pictures of their cat. And I think that they forget to log out of their cat account. And then they, so For me, it's easy to just go back and be like, that's the strong opinion for a guy who puts in a box, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it's the weirdest, it's the weirdest thing. And so, you know, I, am still trying to decide if I want to ignore it or if I want to take the opposite route and call it out and be like, look at this idiot. Um, I do follow some people who do it and it's hilarious when they do it. I'm just not sure if I'm, I have the guts to do that
0: yeah I've I've never like full-on taken on somebody it's to me it's not worth it Um, right it's just not um it's like yeah I have enough voices in my head telling me negative things about myself I don't need to invite somebody else to continue to do it exactly (laughs) whatever you say about
1: me I'm sure I've said it worse to myself yes exactly
0: (laughs) exactly um do you think like because you said about like what the company name that shows you the shows people the neighborhood you're from like are you is your success a lot based um,
1: locally? Um. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's probably fifty fifty. Um. So I get you know I do in person events a lot and I'll I'll gain a lot of customers from that and I do local pickup. So there are people who are able to, you know, get stuff from me and they like it as a local supporting local. Mm -hmm. And then also because things have been shared, um, I get a lot of people sharing stuff. And so then I'll get, um, people from everywhere. So it's really 50, 50, like a lot of people don't know if you're in Cincinnati, you'll go, Oh, Oakley, like the neighborhood. But if you're out of Cincinnati, it's just a name. Right. Um, or they think of the sunglasses and not the area. Um, but it's, it's really 50-50 50 50 and people really come are initially drawn in by descriptions and ooh, pretty soaps, yeah, and then go from there. Um, once they try it and realize, oh, this is actually good stuff. On top of it, then that's how that's when people come back. Yeah, so, not to toot my own horn, but you know, <laughs> I, make, I make pretty decent soap. I'll admit that. <laughs> but the what one nice that, thing I'll say about myself:
0: <laughs> what was the uh, what was the learning process for
1: it? Mm, yeah, it um, it was it was. A little bit easier, I think, because I had baked and cooked and it's a lot of a little bit of this, a little bit of this. Um, there was some more science involved than I'm, I'm not, wasn't necessarily, that wasn't my strong suit, um, mm-hmm. but definitely learning about the different properties of the oils. There was a lot of, um, a lot of learning about like just a lot of hit and miss trying out to create my own recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause there's a million recipes out there, but I really wanted something that was, that I came up with and I could look at how all of, all of these oils put together, blended into, um, excuse me, blended, you know, into a good soap that had the properties that I wanted of bubbly and hard and bar lasting and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of hard, but it's a lot of research. And I was so excited about it that it wasn't a slog because mm-hmm. I was excited to watch 10,000 YouTube videos and read, you know, a bunch of books and yeah. go to conferences and be on Facebook groups that made it a lot easier for me to do. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I want to, I guess, yeah, follow up that, like,
1: what are properties of soap? (laughs) (laughs) What properties should soap have? Like, (laughs) One, they should clean, that is, you know, obviously, (laughs) but properties like, do you have a super bubbly lather? Because if you have a super bubbly lather um, with soap, that's good, but that could take away from the conditioning where it makes your skin feel good a bubbly lather might strip all the oil out of your skin and then leaves your skin feeling really dry Um, a bar can be really hard but then it doesn't lather very well so the bar will last forever but some people like their bubbles Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of that kind of just like the basics and then also there's this is where I get nerdy but there's a difference between like a soap and a detergent Mm -hmm. so uh, detergent is made with more chemicals so you're Dawn dish soap is is technically a detergent. You'll see it made with like a, an SLS, like a sodium laureth. There's, there's different things yeah. to determine. Whereas a soap is made from, I make it's oils and some sort of fat. Mine are all vegan. Just it's easier mm-hmm. that way and lye and water and all that lye dissipates in the, in the process of mm-hmm. turning into soap, turning from this like liquid thing into a, a hard bar. You know, it starts as almost like a cake batter and turns into a bar of soap. Mm-hmm. So in every oil brings, you know, coconut oil might make it bubbly and cocoa butter might make it a little bit harder and shea butter makes it conditioning and learning all of those different, um, the different types of acids in the, um, in the soaps and the fat, the different types of fats. that's what kind of turns it into, you know, the perfect bar of soap.
0: So, I mean, you talked about at first you were like giving us gifts and like, Mm -hmm. you know, giving, selling them at like cost and stuff like that to get the feedback, was that basically like your market research for like, when do I hit the perfect recipe?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was a combination of seeing what people liked and what I liked, doing a lot of testing of, well, how fast does this disappear? And once you get the base recipe, then you can tweak the things like the colors and the scents and the additives. But that was kind of my main thing is just seeing what people liked and I was really lucky to hit on something that worked pretty well um, without having to do you know I wasn't doing hundreds of different variations Mm -hmm. um and I did tweak over time and make a few small changes but I really kind of uh found something I was lucky in finding something that worked really well for me
0: okay and with the like the the scents and the colors are those just like oils different oils you
1: add Yeah, I do. Um, Some of them are essential oils and that's another learning curve because Mm -hmm. essential oils have a, um, some people use them a little too liberally and they can be really dangerous if you're not like following the proper procedure and using the right amounts. You can really hurt somebody if you're not using the right amounts of the oils. If you're using too much, it can literally burn people. Um, So half of my line is essential oils. And then half of my line are synthetic fragrance oils Mm -hmm. because certain smells you can't get from a plant like you yeah. if, a lilac's great a lilac's a real plant but you can't make an essential oil out of a lilac and then use it in a soap mm-hmm. so I do a little bit both and then I have to find but even then in the fragrance oils I need to make sure that I'm finding the right um that there are certain chemicals that aren't in it that can you know that people are worried about and whatnot so still trying to find that that middle ground
0: yeah how do you I mean like How do you get when you're trying to find like a new scent how are you Mm -hmm. searching and sourcing that kind of
1: yeah i um part of it is just looking online and then everybody has samples so i will buy a little sample to test it out because a a certain fragrance too you have to test even after you make it you have to test make sure it stays in the bar because some of them can tend to you know dissipate over time a lot faster than others especially with essential oils um, some of them can really, like, make your soap batter from this nice fluid thing where you can make pretty swirls to turning it into, like, literally, like, congealing on your stick blender. Um, but I just kind of found my vendors that I that I work with that I know are really good. A couple of them have in-person stores that luckily have been, like, in Ohio where my in-laws are. So I've been able to go up and, like, physically smell stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a whole mess of fragrance oils that I bought samples of. And I was like, nope, this isn't going to work. <laughs> So usually I just give those away if someone's a candle maker and wants to practice and like, here, try this or a soap maker. Yeah. But it's, it's a lot of trial and error and just trusting finding those few trusted vendors and going from there. Yeah.
0: So what is the process you said you usually find a, you usually do a name of a soap first and then design a lot of
1: times. Yes.
0: Yeah. So what is that process? Is it just like it comes to you in the shower and you're like, yep,
1: that's it. Or, uh, (laughs) 90% <laughs> 90% of the time yeah it's sort of like a oh you know sort of a flash of yeah. of okay this works like I have one called you David from the show Shits Creek and mm-hmm. I was like well obviously it has to be based off his sweater um, and then finding a scent that was kind of more gender neutral and not super flowery but not super mm-hmm. you know masculine either um, and then you know or um, and sometimes I'll just be like ooh, that smells good and then I'll have to kind of back my way into it, or I'll run a contest while I'll ask once in a while. I've had a couple of soaps, two or three soaps, I think, where I've asked people to um, help name it. And then I'll just, you know, if they win, I'll give them some soap and, you know, they get their own prize. Mm-hmm. But most of the time it's a, it's a shower or I'll look at like, there's one I'm going to add in the spring that I smelled at a, it was a candle at a store when I was out of town and I was like, Ooh. And so I started talking like, listen, I'm, I'm a soap maker. Is this where you got, I know, you know, you kind of know it's all the same yeah. kind of place. I'm like, is this where you got your scent? And she was willing to share. And I was like, okay, I could make that as a candle and I will send you one. And if you ever <laughs> want to do a duo, let's chat.
0: So yeah, have you ventured at all into anything outside of soap, like the candle
1: or? I do um, scrubs. Okay. So I'll do sugar scrubs. Um, and then I also do shower steamers, which are like little kind of tabs that you put in your shower and they dissolve and they're really strong scented and they kind of catch on the steam. So I do those, those are actually one of my bigger popular products. And eventually I want to get into, um, uh, doing shampoo bars mm. and doing, um, like liquid concentrate soaps that people can then just, I don't want to ship water, but if I can make yeah. a concentrate and then people can have a couple of batches, I'd like to do that. At one point I was really into, let's do skincare and let's do this. You know, you just get into that, like learning, like I want to do it all. But I realized I was getting so busy that I wanted to make the best possible product. Mm -hmm. um, I could, but that meant paring down what I did. Um, So I'm hoping that I can start to bring on someone um, looking kind of for space. And then once I have someone that can help me in the production, then I'll have a little bit more time to play and make new things.
0: Yeah. You read my mind. How do you know I was going to go there next of like, (laughs) where, where do you, when do you hit the ceiling of your limits and have to start bringing somebody else on?
1: Oh, I am there. Um, (laughs) at this point, it's just a matter of, I can't, I can't do all the things that people are asking me to do. I'm, you know, I'm finding myself running out of products and people are asking to get them. I mean, I'm really blessed to have this problem that I can't do anymore. And I was actually supposed to start bringing on someone just to come a couple of nights. And then my whole family got COVID. It was a whole thing. Right. Um, and so we're gonna try and get back into that. Um, once we get out, I'm the last one to go. My quarantine ends tomorrow, woo-hoo. Um, <laughs> but I also, right now my space is in my house. And so I wanna be able to find a space outside of the house so someone can be there and I don't have to be there once yeah. they're trained. I'd like to you know, give someone, and it's nice. I want my own space too so they can come you know, I want to work with people who need a flexible schedule. I mean, I don't care when you do it as long as you get it done. If you get it done at five in the morning, or, you know, 3am, so be it. I just don't want to have to be there for it.
0: Right. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, makers, today's episode is sponsored in part by toolmomstore.com. At toolmomstore.com, you can find any and all tool-based merchandise for all genders, all sizes. They've got mugs, they've got shirts, all kinds of cool stuff. I have uh, one of the shirts myself that has the uh, hashtag #WouldWorkHer her on it. And I also have a couple of the mugs that define what and who is a tool chick. So super excited with the merchandise that I have. I know that you will be satisfied as well um, and also great discount for those of you who listen to the podcast at checkout if you enter the code maker mom you will get a 20 percent discount off any of the merchandise that you buy so that's just toolmomstore.com all right let's head back into the action yeah so what's that process like I mean you're just kind of getting that started but what's that process being like of thinking about that I don't know if you've managed people no. in the past <laughs>
1: It's terrifying um, because it's a big expense and everything has been kind of bootstrapped from day one. Um, So I have luckily I have a lot of friends. I'm really blessed to have a lot of really cool people in my life. So I have a friend that's a real estate agent that does commercial. Um, She's always keeping an eye out for me. Um, The organization transform that I work with. They're always looking. They're kind of running out of space where they are now. Um, So we kind of have each other in mind if there's something where we can share a building Um, Just kind of keeping my eyes open. I want to get through the holidays before I really start to put my foot down and Mm -hmm. be like, all right, we've got to do this and finding a space that's, um, you know, kind of central. I also still have my kids and I, because I'm my own boss, I'm the one that has to make sure I'm home to get them from school, get them to school, that sort of thing. Um, So I want to be relatively close. So I'm not wasting time. That's part of the bigger problem is where I am is kind of more urban and the prices are a little bit more expensive. So I could get something cheaper but it would be a half hour drive and that's a waste of time when I only have so many hours in a day. Plus I tend to forget stuff and I would have to like I want to be able to like just run back really quick and go pick something up if I leave something at the studio. I could see myself doing that. Um, Yeah
0: I actually I, I feel that in the reverse right like so I had a separate shop space for years and I appreciated the separate shop space in a lot of ways because it was like Get away from the distractions of home. Like I'm not home, so I can't find myself on the computer. Like I have to be like working. But then the flip side is like now that I had to move my shop back home, it's like, oh, like for one, I have amenities, like a bathroom. That's available. (laughs) Like that's a big thing, people. (laughs) And then things like oh, yes, I did get distracted and I spent all day like on the computer, you know, doing work, but it wasn't shop work. But guess what? You know, now, like after I pick up the kids, I have a half hour before having to make dinner that I can just go out to the shop and do something. Like, whereas my shop was a 20 minute drive before. So it's like, yeah, that's not happening. Or if I did, like you just said, if I got to the shop and realized I forgot stuff at home, it was like, well, I'm yeah. changing the plans for what I'm doing today because I'm not driving back I'm not taking 40 minutes to drive home and then drive back here like I just right. I'm not wasting that time so um there are benefits to having mm-hmm. it like
1: <laughs> that will be a, a learning curve because it is yeah. nice my kids are old enough now that they can be a little independent and I can say here go do your homework go right. watch this movie Keep yourself entertained for a half hour while I finish this, especially like during the summer, I don't have to necessarily pay for a babysitter, you know, five days a week to to help me do this. And also I'm an early riser. So if I want to get up at 5 a.m., I can go work in my pajamas Mm -hmm. and not have to like get up and get in the car and worry about waking people up and then worrying about being home if they do wake up. Yep. That sort of thing. You know, it's easy to be making into the last minute and then grab my keys and take my kid to school. Yep. Yep. Yep.
0: So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you'll end up with a dual uh,
1: studios for a while while you make that transition. <laughs> yeah, my husband has already said, like, I think that's probably going to what you end up doing. Yes. Some things are going to be based at home. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and then what about that piece of, yeah, bringing somebody on to work for you um,
1: and, like, that process? That's the logistics of it are more scary than the actual like training someone. Mm-hmm. I am a little bit type A, but I think I've, I'm so overwhelmed right now that I'd be really happy to let go. Mm-hmm. And there are certain things that I like to do more than others that I'm would rather just pay someone to do it. Right. Like getting a, a bookkeeper was the best decision I ever made and totally worth the money because that's not where my strengths lie. Right. But, um, you know, I, I would really like to give someone the opportunity who needs the job, but doesn't necessarily have the ability to do a nine to five. Mm -hmm. That is kind of my, be it like a stay at home mom or someone who's also um, someone who also is a, their own maker has their own business and just needs to supplement Mm -hmm. um, kind of give those options, a teenager who can come after school. Um, And I have uh, some people who are helping me now, but nothing is formal. And so the, the scarier part is like actually having an employee and starting to worry about the insurance and the payroll Mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff that's been my biggest challenge is like oh crap like i I don't know how to do that right (laughs) you know finally getting a business i mean i i know like who i would have but like finally calling the business lawyer that sort of thing yeah um that's the stuff i never really wanted to do like i need to bring on like a coo to do that Mm -hmm. stuff for me so i can just make (laughs) yes yes
0: yeah that's the i mean When you made that decision of like, okay, so that the government doesn't come after me, I have to turn this into like a legit business. Was that scary at all?
1: Yes, that was really scary. Um, Even just the process of like getting a bank account and getting my tax ID, all of that stuff, they don't make it easy. Mm -hmm. Um, And luckily my husband is also uh, has his own small business and had gone through it. And he kind of likes that stuff more than I do. Mm -hmm. So and he has his MBA. So I was just like, (laughs) Brett, you know, (laughs) I got a lot of help from him, and from that, I've been able to help friends who've done the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's it. I don't know if I could have done it if I didn't have someone there to guide me. You know, I would have needed to find a mentor if my husband wasn't able to help me. Yeah, because it's it's it was a lot, and it. I still am not sure how I figured it out. Even just. I just got a letter the other day saying that I'm finally I have to start paying my taxes monthly instead of um every quarterly. 6 months. I'm like, "Oh crap. Crap, crap, crap." No, I have to remember how to do it. But maybe now I'll remember how to do yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I you know,
0: I'm always late on my quarterly sales tax. Yep. Um, <laughs> I'm like, always late. Yeah, me too. It's like I get the reminder of like you're late and then I'm like, "Okay, and then it's still like a month later. I know.
1: Yeah, I think a lot. I'm learning that it's not just me. There's a lot of people who do that. They're kind of used to it at this point.
0: See, I don't have a bookkeeper yet, so it's still all on me. And let's just say I don't do it until it's time for like figuring out the quarterly sales tax yep. stuff. Yep. Yep. Um, and so then I'm like, well, shit. And so it's really more of like avoiding doing all of that and like spending like three hours on the computer,
1: like balancing everything out uh, <laughs> yeah oh, I get it completely it's just that's just not where my strengths lie no no um so
0: I had a question it was there it was there uh <laughs> oh I was gonna ask like did you when you were growing up I mean did either one of your parents have like a side hustle or a business of their own
1: not really um my dad took over my grandpa, my grandpa had a real small trucking company, um, just, you know, two or three guys. Mm-hmm. And my dad took that over when his kind of job situation changed. And, uh, my grandpa finally like semi-retired, mm-hmm. but otherwise, no, you know, my mom did like the discovery toys thing for a while, but that uh, there really wasn't, that wasn't a thing, you mm-hmm. know, that wasn't really, a, there wasn't really that entrepreneur spirit. And honestly, I never thought, like I always had. I find like any, as soon as I say, I'm never, that's like the universe assigned to be like, you're funny. Um, I never really wanted to start a business. And I was really surprised in how much I enjoy it other than the really nitty gritty kind of aspects of it. But no, that it really hasn't been a, there wasn't a lot of examples there. I feel like,
0: I mean, I feel like it's with our generation and on that A lot of people, if nothing else, have a side hustle that's, like, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, their own business, you know, crafting or whatever. But Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know, maybe it's, that's what the algorithms of social media are feeding me, but it feels like so many more people are, like, starting their own thing instead Mm of, like, at least when I was growing up, it was like the line that was laid in front of you is go to college,
1: mm-hmm.
0: get a professional job, stay there until you retire. And <laughs> right. like, that was like what was laid out in front of me um, mm-hmm. because that was like my parents' generation, right? Like, that's like, that's what you did. That's what you yeah. did. Um, and so it was not even in a thought, um, though I always knew from like my first job I always knew I hated working for somebody else right I just it does not work for me I just right well working for somebody else um unless that somebody else is gonna be like you just go do your job all day long and I will never check in with you that is my <laughs> <boss>. um <clears throat> so it's like I've always I've started quite a few like little side hustles right that just mm-hmm. panned out um so, like you, when I was like, oh, I'm going to do this, like it was scary, but it's also been exciting to learn like the mm-hmm. business stuff because I didn't take any business classes or anything like that. Me neither in college whatsoever. So, <laughs> it has all been like learn as you go. And usually it's learn as you go because you screwed something up. And then,
1: <laughs> yeah, a lot of trial yeah. by fire. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Same. Yeah. I'm still kind of like, what? <laughs> how? How? How did this happen? But I, definitely the same way. And I just feel like, but also I I will acknowledge I have this privilege in that I am married and my husband has a really good, he's an engineer. He has a really good job. We have insurance. Um, if I were to shut the business down, we'd have to tighten our budget, but we wouldn't be completely screwed. Right. So I am extremely lucky. And I acknowledge that that is a huge part that has allowed me to do this because Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't, you know, a lot of people don't have that option and it can be a real struggle otherwise.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Same. I mean, my, my, you know, wife has a job with insurance that pays really well, um, you know, uh, and so it's allowed me to do more of, like, a job-job part-time so that I can attempt to do this a little bit more. Right. Um, and, and that definitely is a privilege, for sure. Um, what do you think the impact is going to be on your kids watching you do all this?
1: They were outside the <laughs> other day playing a game where they were, like, collecting rocks and leaves and talking about wholesaling them. So. Clearly they have been influenced <laughs> um, by business. My son is already, um, he's already, he knows he wants to be an engineer and he wants to start his own business. And he comes from, my husband's an engineer. His dad was an engineer. His grandpa was an engineer. You know, his great, great grandfather, you know, people were engineers yeah. before engineers was a name. Like yeah. there's that, the <laughs> knack yeah. and they have it. And my daughter, same thing. She's a science, like she wants to be a scientist and she doesn't stop asking questions and she'll be perfect for it. Um, but they both i think that they just think that that's how it goes is that people just have their own business my husband you know has a side hustle as well and they've seen this forever this is they might you know my daughter was like one and a half maybe two when I started the business mm-hmm. um and she that's all she knows mm-hmm. and I think that they'll they're the same way and the way the economy i mean I could get into a whole thing about <laughs> capitalism, but you know, the way it's going, it's leading more and more towards that. And people are saying, I'm not going to work these crappy corporate jobs anymore. I can do it better. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited to see what the next generation's going to do because I think they're they've shown so far they've a lot of them have been pretty awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I was thinking that too with, with my kids, which I mean they're just a little bit shifted down from your mm-hmm. kids' age. I've got eight and almost six. Uh, Mm -hmm. year old but like especially with my eight-year-old like you know like he he still does a little bit of a line of talking of like like he's gonna go to college and he right now he really wants to be a like an animator for video games that's what he wants to be but Mm -hmm. um but he also understands like or I could just like do that like not Mm -hmm. have to you know go through the the step a to step b to step c like to figure mm-hmm. that out and i could see him definitely starting his own thing um their relation to my own thing is more still like mom go sell another piece of furniture so we can go buy xyz right <laughs> <laughs> i'm like uh if i do that is not going to be used to pay for xyz but right yeah <laughs> exactly how it works not exactly yeah you know where to them it's still like a hundred dollars seems like massive quantity of Mm -hmm. money Uh
1: (laughs) yeah my son is he's hilarious he he I'll come home and be like mom how much did you make today how much did you make at your show and do you think maybe you should sell these for more he's and if he comes if he's at a show with me he's I'm like dude you need to like lessen up the pressure on on your sales pitch (laughs) we're not that kind of business. They just, they crack me up, but that's what they know is they know business. They know, you know, they understand that their dad goes to a job and that at least my son will remember, you know, mom worked as well, but, um, they definitely have a complete, like their childhood is totally different. Like their dad makes robots and their mom makes soap in their basement. So, right.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. It definitely is uh, a unique thing, you know. And it's actually it's interesting because it's like my wife, you know, goes off to an office every day, Mm -hmm. and so I think it's harder for them. Like we get lots of questions about, but like, what do you really do? Like, what do you make? Because it's me making, and so like the idea that a job, in my wife's case, is predominantly on a computer. Mm-hmm. assisting people who do make things but she's not physically making it's like it's still really hard for them to grasp like but what do you do like the the woodworking is easy like they see right. the physical object that mm-hmm. i've made right so it's like oh okay that's what you do um but they totally I, don't understand like my job job you know i try mm-hmm. to them what i do and they're like huh
1: like, <laughs> I just don't get it my kids are <laughs> the same way like because my husband, he's an engineer, but like he can come out and say like, I am making this airplane. I am making this engine. So even then in his job, there's, there's an aspect of making to it. Mm-hmm. It's not quite the same, but you know, my kids don't, a banker doesn't make sense to them. And that's great. If someone is a numbers person and that's right, what they want right. to do, but just how they were raised, they always saw a end result product. Yep. yep. Um, and they're, they're just kind of learning slowly the background that there needs to be some business and yes. some paperwork and <laughs> yeah. a lot of time on a computer in order to make that product yes. and to sell that product and to pay yes. taxes on that product and- yes
0: I mean even so much like my my oldest also gets into the social media aspect where he's constantly being like I think you need to do this for your next TikTok video like this would be like you know mm-hmm. successful for you or like he was telling me he was telling me about the podcast He was like don't ask people to subscribe every single episode because they just don't do it. You need to like do it like once a month. Oh my and, gosh. And you'll get more people to subscribe. <laughs> I was like, thank you for the business advice. I will uh, take note of that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but that's amazing because that's a, a childhood that I didn't have, you right. know, where I could play a role in this yeah. family business and see someone actually doing it. Um, and through no fault of my parents, but that's just right. not like you said. I it was this path of you do this and this and this, and then you stay at your company until you die. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Thank God we just didn't listen well, right? I mean, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank God there was not an economy that forth that allowed me to do that because yes, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. Um, well, what's uh what's on the horizon with something coming up that you're excited about besides the building and the
1: <laughs> Right. Um really it's trying to introduce these new products. Um I'm really excited to to do the research and learn. It's just a matter of time. Like this was supposed to happen. My goal was spring 2020 to start researching um soap shampoo bars and then the pandemic hit and suddenly my kids were home like, well, but basically, just push the whole world off yeah, by a year. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, right now, it's getting through the holidays because that's always it's great, but it's so super busy. And I have, you know, in-person events and um, whatnot. But I really am looking on expanding and moving, bringing in new people and being able to introduce a couple new products. But I want to make sure that I'm doing them right before I put them out there.
0: Awesome. Well, we're at the end of our time together. So I want to This is great. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. I want to give you a chance to let people know again, uh, you know, how and where they can find you and follow along with you.
1: Yeah, um I am the Oakley Soap Co, so CO, um on it's oakleysoapco.com, all, my Instagram, um I'm on TikTok, Instagram and Facebook. Um I think I have a Twitter just to park it, but I'm not sure I ever posted. <laughs> um and I <laughs> kind of try to post i'm i like TikTok the best but i'm not great at making videos and i tend to uh just go on my for you page and forget like oh i have to work yeah an hour later um, <laughs> so instagram and facebook are kind of the two places that you can find me and and then the website awesome well thanks for chatting with me today laura thanks so much for having me i really appreciate it
0: yeah okay so Um, Again, that was Laura Pipitone of Oakley Soap Company, and you can find the links on how to follow along with her and check out all of her cool uh, and funny name soaps uh, in the show notes for today's episode. So where you can find that first, start by, if you're listening to this, check the description of the episode in your podcast app. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can check the description down below. And lastly, you can head on over to freemanfurnishings.com forward slash podcast to find this week's episode and all the past week's months and years episodes as well. All there with all the cool links So check that out. Please follow along with the podcast over on Instagram at Crafting a Revolution. And while you're over there, you can come on over and say hi to me because you can find me on Instagram and all of the social media at Freeman Furnishings. That's where you will find me uh, designing and creating furniture and home decor and doing quite a few shop dances as well. So come on over at Freeman Furnishings and say hi. All right. So, looking forward to another new episode coming up in just a few days. In the meantime, let's go craft a revolution.
1: She, her, and they, they got something they want to say. The solution for the toxic masculinity. Pollution is the constant evolution of a broken institution. So, here's our resolution: we Craft a revolution.